Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Gentlemen, we are going back 20 years as our part of our series where we look back to 20 years Sorry, ago. who is this that's talking? This is Chapin Hemingway. I'm joined by <laughs> Lee Carlo and Jeremy Fisk, of course, as always. Um, what about our first-time listeners, Chapin? you got to remember. Yeah. What would happen if they didn't know our fucking names? <laughs> uh, Off. <laughs> I love this podcast, but they never say their names. Uh, so this this week, guys, we're going to look at a film. I've, I've talked a little bit about the last couple weeks uh, with Michael Mann's Ali, which came out in 2001, right around uh, Oscar season. Um, and that's going to do it. We're going to just kind of let the podcast go where it wants. Um, so let's get into it. I look. Ain't this just a perfect specimen of a man right here? I want to be your motivator. I want to be in your corner. What'd you say your name is? Bundini. Rhymes with Houdini, yeah, except that don't rhyme. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! They're coming after you. You're important. They don't. Federal Bureau of Investigation. Mr. Clay, you're under arrest. Oh, so they're gonna take from me what no fight in the world can. I cannot let you oppose them. They bust you out. You don't remember your name. God don't care about you! You think they give a damn if you get killed? We've so talked a lot about so biopics, um, mostly because Lee hates them or hates how they how they go. Um, and I don't entirely disagree with you, Lee, uh, about that. Um, and I'd like to get into Ali in detail. Of course, we will. Um, but I'm wondering. I, I, so I did a Google search about top biopics, and I looked on the list, and I ne- I didn't find any of our favorite movies on that list. Um, and I found a few movies by directors that we love that, uh, you know, maybe high up on our favorite movies of those, that director's filmography. Also, some of them were kind of on the lower end. I'm thinking of uh, Martin Scorsese's The Aviator. Um, although he also did Raging Bull, which you could one could consider to be a biopic as well. So I guess what I'm wondering, guys, initially my first question for you is, do you guys see a utility in making a movie that is a biopic? Um, and I don't want you guys just to talk hypothetically. Let's like actually look at real world examples. Like I said, I, I don't know that any of our favorite movies, I'll, I'd even say our top 20, I would, I would, I would wager it would be hard to find a biopic. And I'm wondering what, yeah, my question, is there any utility in it? Is there any, is that the right way to make a movie or should, you know, should we maybe not have such a focus on an individual person lee well i think utility is an interesting term because i have to think a little bit more about it in terms of that but i do think something 
that comes to light when a director makes a biopic is proof that they're interested in the same types of things that we are. Um, you know, I it's it's a little bit of a uh, anomaly that I, I dislike biopics as much as I do because I, I like history and I tend to like documentaries. And I think my interest in, you know, important people in history would be well suited to enjoying a biopic, but it isn't necessarily. But that's beside the point. I think uh, when a director decides to make a movie about a, uh, a significant person, like an Ali or an aviator or whatever it is, it, it shows that they have a significant interest like all of us do in these people in history and want to dive deeper into these people's lives and learn more about them. And I think that that just kind of shows you that they can take their skills and apply it to something real world in a way. Now, I don't know how that, you know, translates to it being a utility in terms of, you know, either, you know, adding something to their resume or proving that they can do something that other directors can't. Now, I think within the biopic genre, you can separate yourself as a director, but just in terms of making one, it doesn't necessarily say anything to me about you as a director because really most directors have done one if you think about it. Yeah, my sticking point becomes what really is a biopic because if you do, using your example, Chapin, of Raging Bull, I mean, that is a top five movie for me of all time. So if you want to consider that a biopic, then yes, that's on there. But to me, Raging Bull isn't about Jake LaMotta. It's about jealousy. It's about violence. It's about rage. It's a, It, it, it uh, ascends the... Mit- material of the person or the individual itself. Yeah, the theme is more important. So I, and I think that's where like why I wouldn't even sort of classify that really as a biopic, but I guess technically, yes, it it is. Um, but I, unlike Lee, I don't, I don't have this aversion to them. I just have the aversion to directors sort of wa- making the story more about the hitting the the bullet points of one's life than it is about trying to find their own voice within that story. And I think that's what I have an aversion to, but I never like say, oh, this is about Johnny Cash. I'm not going to go see it because it's a biopic. No, I mean, you can, you can make any of that work. And, and Ali is an example of that. So, um, yeah, well, I, I, I saw a couple movies on there like Schindler's List, which I don't think is a biopic. I mean, it's about uh, one man's no. journey, but it's not this sort of, um, you know, birth. And I don't think a biopic necessarily needs to be birth to death, but it's, you know, when you choose to make a movie about someone, I think often people use it. And I think Ali is a good example of this as well. as like a way to talk about other things that are going on in that moment. Um, you know, Lee, you, you, you kind of pitched us Judas and the black Messiah as a biopic. And I think we, hopefully we talked you out of that. Um, but it's, it's a way of, you know, like if the, I, I remember really enjoying, although it's been years since I've seen it, um, Spike Lee's Malcolm X. And I think obviously Malcolm X is an incredibly important person. He's a part of this film, but, um, you know, you can talk a lot about what Malcolm X was a part of with these movies, but sometimes I think. You know, did we need a 
three-hour movie about Howard Hughes. I like The Aviator. I think that's a a movie you guys underappreciate a little bit. But, um, you know, there was like a time when there was like three Howard Hughes movies, you know, in pre-production at one point. And, And, I mean, I think people are interesting. Howard Hughes is an interesting character. I just don't know that for some reason, I just don't understand why sometimes they just don't make good movies. Um Okay, but let's let's get into this. So the reason I picked Ali is I, I think it really is a good example of a biopic that doesn't play by the rules that frustrate us. Um, it, it picks a very important time in Ali's life, in Muhammad Ali's life, uh, starting with the fight that takes place, right, that, that, that is part of um, One Night in Miami. Uh, that is the, uh, the first Sonny Liston, Sonny fight. Liston fight. Uh, and finishes with the rumble in the jungle. And so I think it's like less than 10 years, I believe that period. Um, and a lot happens to him and to the world, uh, within that time. And, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts guys. Cause I know I'm the big Michael Mann fan here. And I think, um, another thing I'd, I'd like to kind of plant in your mind is this movie just really didn't do well. It didn't do well commercially at all. I read on the Wikipedia page that it lost Columbia Pictures like a hundred million dollars. You know, Michael Mann went nuts and spent a ton of this is this is yeah, the hundred and seven million dollar budget. His time period when he did couldn't seem to not spend a ton of money on movies. Um, and also, it it was a it was a critical success, I guess, but it's got about a sixty three on a Metacritic. It didn't do terribly well at the Oscars. It didn't get an Oscar nomination and. You would think, you know, this movie would be prime for that kind of reception. Um, so just if you can think about that and get to it at some point in this podcast, I'd love to hear it. But but to start off with, I'm just curious about what you guys think about this as a biopic. Well, as a biopic tape, and I, I kind of disagree with you because I do think that it follows some of the biopic formula. That's not necessarily to say that it's a bad thing. Um, but here's something I kind of discovered watching this about biopics and this movie in general. And it's been, it's been educational for me kind of as we've discussed biopics and my disdain for them more and more, because I've sort of always broadly said, I don't like them, but the more we talk about it, the more I'm narrowing, narrowing in at what it is that bothers me. But to me, this movie is a bit of a straight line. And by that, I mean, it moves through these 10 years, which is a smaller period of time than your classic, you know, birth to death biopic. But within those 10 years, we don't see much of a character change. We don't see a real arc in Muhammad Ali. And I was missing that. It was interesting to learn about these individual things, but we still just got a lot of things happening over the course of these 10 years and little bits and pieces of them. And that is the big cardinal sin of a biopic for me is when you try to cover too much. And as a result, you don't focus enough on any one important thing. And that can be a result of a birth to death. You're setting yourself up to fail there. But in these 10 years of Muhammad Ali's life, you're right, Chapin, a lot happens. So there's if you want to have it go from the sunny list and fight to the rumble in the jungle you've got to try to cover that in an efficient way this is already a long movie so how do you do that and 
allow our character to change or allow us to really learn what made Muhammad Ali the person he was in history. And I don't know that I got that out of this movie. I, I disagree. I, I totally got at least his his importance in history. It, it made me much more interested in learning more about Ali as a as a historical person rather than as a boxer because I've never been into I'm just boxing isn't my thing I'm not that interested in boxing but for some reason boxing tends to make great films um it's weird but but this movie I I watched and I wanted to I was googling and looking stuff up right after um I I thought it did because the movie didn't tell you enough about it (laughs) No, because I want to know more. That's the movie's job. To it, well, you're already saying it's too long. I mean, I don't know how much time. Like there, there's but certain things the I wanted this to know. The, and this is the point. Like this is the problem with the biopic, and because it, I, I'm not saying I have a solution. I mean, I, I've argued recently that maybe Steve Jobs is the solution. What they do, what what Danny Boyle and uh, Aaron Sorkin do with that movie. But you, when you. When you're talking about these types of people, a lot happened to them, and a lot of important things happened to them, and there's no way that you can cover it all in a right, single but movie. I feel, I feel like you're talking out of both ends of your mouth because you're saying, oh, they needed to figure all this out, and then at the same time, you're like, well, uh, it's too long, and you can't put everything in it, but you okay, need to. And and this like, may sound like a broad criticism. But figure it the fuck out. What does like, that mean? Figure s- out like this. I've watched movies Focus in the on past just, uh, and, that aren't even biopics that are, are somewhat historically relevant. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I go and I look up. Did that happen? What was that? But the movie's not the details. But the movie is not it isn't about that. This movie is about Muhammad Ali, and it wants to it wants to it wants to show you who this character was over the course of these ten years, and it gives us an idea, but it doesn't give us a full picture. So. This but, movie gives us is 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 not satisfying my interest in learning about Muhammad Ali. And to your point, Jeremy, you yes, maybe you felt like you learned enough for this movie to function, but you wanted to learn more. For me, it didn't give me enough for this movie to completely function. Now look, I I did like this movie. I liked it better than most biopics, so we'll get into that a little bit more lately before Chapin just like kicks me off the podcast with whatever he's going to say next but no i mean just maybe you don't like movies about real people because you you just started that with you started a sentence with like your your criticism of them as being you know you don't like that they are i don't know what was it like the, the birth to death you don't like knowing all the details but this film throws you in the middle of it i think what it does is it 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 it, it puts you right into it it puts you right up close to Ali and you see him and all his people and it throws you right into it and it doesn't like sugarcoat things it doesn't it doesn't make sure the audience knows all the details and so you kind of have to have your ear out and listen carefully and and pay attention um and I think you get a real sense right, of who but he we is get, but throughout the you do and that's why this movie is not a failure in terms of a biopic or in terms of a movie in general but you get a little bit of this movie spent with his relationship with Malcolm X. You get a little bit of this movie about him uh, dodging the draft. You get a little bit of, uh, of this movie about him as a boxer. You get a little bit of this movie about him and Jamie Foxx's character and him and his father. And this is all these in his affairs, his love life, and which is a, is not a terribly important piece of of history, but it's actually kind of a good tangible example because throughout this movie, he has I think three different. Uh, wives or lovers and 
the Jada Pinkett Smith character who he meets and is with for a while, then after, when he meets the next one, sh- they just don't even bother with what happens to Jada Pinkett Smith. She's just not in the movie anymore. Not a big deal. That's not a huge part of Muhammad Ali's life that I care about, but it is an example of what happens when you try to cover all these things. You have to sacrifice details. And I am interested in the details. I know Muhammad Ali dodged the draft. I know he had a relationship with Malcolm X. I know he was a great boxer and fought Sonny Liston twice and lost to George Frazier and, and, and fought George Foreman in, the, in, in Zaire. I know all that stuff. But I want the details. And when you try to cover all of that, regardless of how long your movie is, you don't have time for the details. And that's what's missing for me. I do think they spent too much time on the boxing itself. There's like a there, lot, there's a lot there's, of boxing. <laughs> there's a but lot the, more boxing than there needs to be. And you could... But the sports movie aspect is my favorite part of this movie. You could throw some more of that other stuff that you're complaining about, Lee. But I, I, I still true. disagree. The ma- boxing matches are so long. They're so <laughs> they're like long. Full, they're they're like longer the than the actual rounds. boxing matches were. Um, but I, I, I just... I got a absorbed with this story and this character and i think all those examples you give they're rooted in a little bit more they're rooted in the cultural aspects of what is happening in the day a lot of it being the racial justice issues i mean they're not lost on this movie at all um and i think also like the fact that there's a black man that's probably the most famous athlete in the world at that point like all those things are looming in the background and i think those elevate the film beyond what you know just give me more details now let me back up for a second because i got riled up about biopics and this movie but i was really responding to chapin's question about this movie as a biopic and to me those are areas that it doesn't work. But I was also absorbed with this movie. This was a this was a like very manageable nearly 3-hour movie for me. Like I I was absorbed, I enjoyed it. This the we'll get into it, but like talk about some like expert filmmaking and cinematography in this movie and the Will Smith surprisingly lost in this role. Like I thought looked uh, I mean totally was um, Muhammad Ali throughout this movie. I never was thinking Will Smith playing Muhammad Ali. Same with, I think, John Voight's performance in this. So a lot of really, really good things about this movie. And I agree, Jeremy, that this movie is a, a, a about the time period and about the things that were going on. And that is focused on. And I like that about this movie. And yes, the boxing scenes are too long, but I really, really liked them. I thought that they were expertly done. So I would have watched more of them, um, even if at times they got a little music video-esque. But this this is a good movie. But it is it does fall prey to some of the biopic sins that I have a problem with, and that takes it down a notch for me. Well, I, I want to hear from Chapin as far as... Because Cha- I had never seen this movie. This is my first time viewing this movie. I don't know about you, Lee. I, I, I'm sure I saw it in 2001 or when it... And I know it's been one of Chapin's, I don't know if favorite movies, but a Michael Mann movie that he's been telling us to watch for years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm I'm curious your thoughts, Chapin, on this 
this viewing of it, how many times well, you've seen it. I, and It's definitely, it's not one of my favorite Michael Mann movies. Saban's like, I didn't actually watch yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't even watch it yet. Uh, no, I, I, it's not one of my favorite Michael Mann movies, but I, I, I do think, you know, when you look at this and The um, Insider, which was t- two years before, um, there's just such an immediacy in his filmmaking. There's so, you, you just feel like you're right there. And there, I just love what he does with the camera. He's such a sort of expressionistic filmmaker, and he he just does these weird kind of um, artistic things that that I I just really dig. I'm I'm not sure why. You know, I I think in some cases they get the better of him. You know, like <clears throat> I'm thinking of that scene when the when the um, wallpaper comes alive in the hotel in the Insider. Um, and, and they, you know, that can go overboard, but the, this film just, I don't know. I, I think I, I just wanted to see what you guys thought of applying the Michael Manness to, to a, a subject like this. And I think so in a weird way, like, <clears throat> you know, I, I, we talked about in the last couple of episodes, you know, maybe a black director should have, should have directed this, but in a weird way, I think Michael Mann is like the perfect person to direct this. He's just like. This worldly guy who, you know, forgive the pun, doesn't pull any punches and will do things like stage a boxing match and Zaire. Like he's just got the the will, you know, the 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 sheer kind of fortitude to make a film like this. And so I was thinking about this scene, Jeremy, this you'll probably relate to this. There was just like there was some just one of those random scenes where they are in, in some kind of hotel room, I think in the south or outside, and you just you know, they're like panning over the courtyard. It's like two seconds. And there's like a fancy old bus from the fifties there. And like, you know, maybe a hundred extras in the courtyard. And <laughs> like, you just totally don't need it. And you can just imagine how expensive and long it's like to set up. And, you know, it was totally unimportant, but then there's moments where you've got a stadium in Africa with a hundred thousand people in it. And you get this 360 steady was, cam that, shot. It was that just, was full, right, of real people. Yeah, it was incredible. And oh my god! And and it's just like sometimes, you know, I think especially in this kind of like Me Too era where we <laughs> sort of hate these you know domineering men. And I'm sure working for Michael Mann is awful in a weird way. Um, but like Michael Mann, James Cameron, like these guys who just like just refuse to to waver on their vision. Like sometimes it totally works. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Go ahead. Lee. Yeah. I mean, look, I, the, from the first shot of this movie, you could tell it was a Michael Mann film and you're like, and I was kind of like, okay, so we're in for something different. Cause I had seen this movie before, but I really didn't remember much about it. But immediately you're like, this is going to be different because this is, this is Michael Mann's style of filmmaking you know, it looks it, it looks digital before he was filming on on digital. No, it's this and is partly digital. That's digital, hundred yeah. percent. Some of it is digital. The whole movie is. No, 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 no. Really? Just a few scenes. All the stuff shot at night. Yeah. Oh. All the stuff that looks really grainy and bad. Yeah. Okay, so that's that. Like those first shots at the beginning when he's yeah. running outside. Like I guess that's early morning. That stuff. Yeah, that's definitely hundred percent digital. And and it did actually took me out of the movie at first because I'm like. Uh, because like, you basically it's like it was back when digital wasn't great, and now we're in a time period we're in the the fifties 
or early 60s and it's looking like somebody had a camera from 2000 and that it's it's the issue i had with public enemies but again that that dissipated well, soon after anyway, that first i i i was excited about how this movie looked right right from the get go because i i you know typically you know something else that a biopic is guilty of is is just sort of being standardly shot you know Boring. sometimes they can look beautiful but nobody's really doing anything risky or overly creative with the camera and michael mann is certainly going to do that so i liked that and i have to say like this is maybe the the best filmmaking i've ever seen in a biopic just in terms of the like you said shape kind of the sheer guts of the things that he's doing both in the way he's shooting it and both in the way he's staging it and and uh emmanuel lebeski just if, to, if you want us to get into the Oscar robberies uh, for this movie, that to me is absolutely number one. Uh, not even nominated in a year that um, had some decent nominations, but Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring won, of course. Um, so, look, I, I that was my biggest takeaway, that this is a movie that I can understand why Chapin likes, because it is just so expertly made. And I think it covers interesting things and I, I don't want to just rehash everything I've said it's just I think this this movie is the highlights are in in what Michael Mann does and that's awesome yeah and I think you said it best Javen when you said the intimacy of it it's like somebody went back in time and threw a camera in the middle of uh, of Muhammad Ali's life and you were able to just sort of stand there with him and not only is his his like camera movement so like close and you feel like you've sort of dropped into the world but also the world around him that he creates is just so freaking epic it gave me multiple panic attacks watching this movie because knowing that there was probably 100,000 extras in that stadium and those those scenes on the streets, even there was one scene and it was so stupid. And I honestly didn't know if it was period cars or not, but there was a scene where Muhammad Ali's in a hotel and he's, he's with one of his wives or girlfriends at the point. And yeah, I know. To the left of him, yeah. you could see out the window. You're looking down you at, the, at the... You could look down yeah. out the window at that the street with, with cars going by. And I'm just like, I wouldn't put it past Michael Mann to I'm, just I'm sure, close sure that highway period, yeah. and uh, put period cars <laughs> like, there. Guys, and there was no need for it. We might be like, looking down, so we're going to need to own the highway for five days. Yeah. You could have just literally moved the camera uh, three inches to the left and not seen out the window, but... But that does it does lend itself to just a feeling of the audience being there and, and witnessing history. And I think that's what he brings to it that not a lot of directors could. Imagine Clint Eastwood directed this. It would just be such a sort of paint by numbers. Well that, yeah, and that's and that's my point with the way this movie's shot that I just really, really appreciate. And the thing is, like it's the same with the insider. Like the insider is about like a really <laughs> kind of boring human being unlike Muhammad Ali. Hmm. But, like, we are just so fascinated by Jeffrey Wigand in that movie because, like, he just gets so up close and personal with him, and Russell Crowe's performance is so good, but it's just, like, he... To get, I guess, like you said, Jeremy, to get in the middle of this, you are able to experience what is going on. I just would have loved it if... 
however it needs to be done, narrowing it down, whatever it is, if in the meantime, we are just like really learning a lot about, you know, but I, Muhammad so, Ali. And, so Lee, and, here's, can I ask you like, sorry, Jeremy, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm just going to say my counter to that is the 10 years that we see, we also get to see why Ali was so great. We got to see wh why he became, because I never un really understood how, like, how good is he on the scale of the greats of all the sports. Everyone's like, Muhammad Ali is up there. But this sort of gave you that aspect of that first win all the way through when he lost, when he couldn't fight anymore, and then he came back to win the title again. And you get you got an idea, which is a big part of the legacy of who Muhammad Ali is. So, Lee, I'm wondering if this might describe your feelings here. Like, do you think that Michael Mann maybe got too wrapped up in what he wanted to do with the film visually or how he was telling the story that he may have gotten in the way of what you wanted from this film? I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I mean, I think you can do both. I just, I, I really do think it's not any more complicated than it's, it's just hard to be as specific as I'd like when you have a character that so many things that are important happen to, and you want to try to find a span in their life that, that works, you know, efficiently like that that's why and and i just like the more i see it the more i'm i'm impressed with it that's why i think steve jobs was such a revelation for me like so just, that's why i wanted to figured out a way to do that and narrow right. in but still you know it still covers a long period of time but it narrows in on just like the minutia of who steve jobs was and like the and how he, his decisions and actions impacted the people around him so that's interesting i i after your some one of my friends saw your recommendation or one of our posts about on the get your film fix Instagram about Steve Jobs because we've been talking about it and went and watched it and I think was like totally bored by the film and you know she's not a <laughs> she's not into movies and whatever it's fine but like um, I do think it's interesting because I, I I can't imagine Michael Mann and a lot of filmmakers ever making a movie like. Steve Jobs because and right. and it's I I don't consider this to be a bad thing but those scenarios are almost all completely invented right like this this movie yeah. I think Michael Mann is interested in taking you to these places Zaire um you know Chicago uh wherever he was and putting you in these real locations and filming them and filming them with these real people whereas you know Sorkin and seemed interested in, in telling the Steve Jobs story in this very seemingly artificial way. And that like, essentially it's a three scene movie. Each one is a, at the premiere uh, or whatever they, a yeah, launch product, launch, product yeah. launch of in, in his careers. And, and, you know, these dialogues unfold before each one and it feels very contrived, but like, again, I mean, I like the movie as much as you do. So I'm just, I'm, you know, I, yeah, it's a, it's interesting. Like, and, and there, you know, it's hard to like put them up against each other and say like what's a, what's a better uh, way to do things specifically because like you could make the argument that like why don't we make more biopics where like the scenarios are made up but the 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 what we're learning about the characters are real, right? When you're dealing with somebody like Muhammad Ali that lived through the life of Malcolm X and and uh, and um, Martin Luther King Jr. and 
like the Vietnam War and all these things, it's hard to create, you know, fake scenarios and and just like learn about him as a character through that. You need to recreate actual things that happen, especially since some of them are on on film, like uh, you know his fights and such. So, I've always admitted I don't have the 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 perfect answer for the biopic. Cause, and I'm and I'm sorry because I know our our, our writers and directors out there are listening. Um, <laughs> they're just, just like waiting with pen and paper, yeah, just being like, "All right, like, oh, fuck. like this was the one I thought we were going to get it from Lee." <laughs> but I just like it, I I often say this about documentaries, but like, and, and Jeremy, you alluded to it, but like, the sign of a good documentary to me is when like a subject just like completely takes me over like and it sounds like that happened to an extent with you here Jeremy with Ali like yeah when a subject just completely takes me over that I want to watch the documentary again get absolutely every ounce of information about that subject out of the documentary then move on to the the, the best book to read about it it was like Chernobyl like Chernobyl was the oh, same way God. for us. Like, remember Chernobyl guys oh, yeah so like we watched that Has show and like we gone all back and watched that over the uh over the, Maybe that's what we should do for the next podcast. Yeah. I'm halfway um, through Midnight in Chernobyl, the book. Yeah. <laughs> for the last two um, years. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yes, like that, like, it's, it's just what I want out of, out of a biopic is just for it to just, to, to hook me so significantly that, like, it's the only subject I'm interested in. And, and I, you know, we're talking about how Ali is two hours and forty minutes long, and it's too long. But you know, Chernobyl is is six six hours essentially. The OJ Made in America is like fifteen hours long. Like these are some of the some of the things that have done this for me. JFK is one I probably have to revisit, but that was sort of the initial, you know, quote unquote biopic that got me hooked on on. Uh, yeah, no, I thought about that a when you were saying that because, yeah, I don't think that's a biopic. I was just going to say the same thing. I'm not sure that's, I mean, yeah. it's a Jim Garrison biopic. I don't It's just more about the assassination of Kennedy. But anyway, um, long tangent to kind of just say, well, like what I'm looking for in a biopic is not, is not black and white. It's just, I don't like it when it tries to, it tries to tell me a little bit about a lot of things that I probably already know. So what did you, what insight did you gain from, the thing is, is that like, and <clears throat> I respect how you guys push back on me on these podcasts for it because, I, you know, it doesn't matter really what's real and what's not real. But we are talking about a, a film that tells the story of a real person. And so in some, in, in, in some aspects, reality is important. But what do you learn from Steve Jobs that you don't that you don't get from other movies? Because what I would argue is that, I mean, you you may have insights into him, but. I don't know that I left that movie with saying, okay, now I totally understand Steve Jobs. One, we don't even know if he had that kind of cathartic moment with his daughter or not. I mean, maybe yeah, that's who knows. who knows if he did or not. <laughs> when he invented the iPod. Right, right. <laughs> um, but it's so, yeah, like I struggle with that because, that, you know, and, and why I like Ali so much is because someone like, Michael Mann, who loves the details and loves the sort of reality of it and the and the the energy that comes from real locations and and being in the real places and and you know some of those boxing matches like I went back and looked at them like some of them are are almost I think like 
you know, exactly the motions in which he falls and, you know, things like that, I think are, is incredible. And so, and I, but I also love Steve Jobs. I just, I don't know that I am, I don't know that that movie gave me the insight that you're describing. So I, I don't find Steve Jobs to be as interesting a character. So it's not like I was, uh, you know, researching everything about Steve Jobs after that movie. I just think it was, it was really effectively done. But the one thing that is interesting that I think I did learn and had a big takeaway about Steve Jobs is exactly what you're talking about with Michael Mann is that this is a person that was, that just his vision was the most important thing. Mm. And it didn't matter who he took down to get, make that vision a reality or, you know, who he, who, what location manager he had to drag through the mud to, <laughs> to make that vision happen. Like Literally it's the just, mud. it's, it is, his vision above all else. And, you know, I, I think that is, you know, they make the point in Steve Jobs, but like that is kind of what makes great artists. And our favorite directors are fucking nutcases. And like, so. So you want, basically, you want to see the Michael video. Mann uh, biopic. Love the Michael Mann biopic. That's what you want to see. Directed by Michael Mann. Oh, God. <laughs> That's his next project. He just can't get it underway. Fil- but no, filming but like, for six hundred days. How how much do you guys? How much do we love watching the special features on on Fincher movies? Because we love watching that fucking maniac make movies. Like because his process is just like all about perfection. And you've got to be crazy, and you've got to be kind of probably an asshole to other people to make that work. Well, I sent you guys a video but on their that, movies are he, the best. He explains like, that a little bit today. Did you guys watch that? I didn't get a chance to watch it yet, oh, but great. Well, let me just Too say this. preparing for the podcast. They, there's no way this movie would get to be made now. It just wouldn't happen. <laughs> not, not, like, not and that's budget. something really, yeah, with that budget, with a director that says, all right, we're going to Africa to film this, and we're going to have 100,000 extras, and uh, it's going to be three and a half hours long. Like, it's just, it would never. What studio produced this? I said, it would never Sony. get made now. Sony. And that's that's something, you know, and that's that's a, you know, that's kind of a tragedy that, that the only way they're spending this much money is if you put like Robert Downey Jr. in an iron suit in it. Like it's just, it's kind of well, sad that we're not going to get well, this sort of stuff anymore. So that's partly true. Continuing but I, that point. Sorry, go ahead, Lee. I, I think that that's partly true. I, I I don't. I wouldn't necessarily immediately dismiss the idea of like a hundred million dollar biopic being made, but just not like this. Like it would just be, it the. You know, they would hire like the, the the whoever the next like Colin Trevorrow is that they can just bully into doing whatever they want him to do, and make it that way about about somebody. And it would be the paint by number biopic, and and we do see them. We see it like the I don't know. There was like a Walt Disney biopic that came out. Did anybody see that? The, I think Tom Hanks was in, mm. and like they they're still doing biopics. I don't know how expensive they are, but I think they're spending money on biopics. They're just they're not interesting because. Good directors, and like Michael Mann or, or whoever, are not going to have the creative freedom and the money to do what they want to do with it. Look at how hard it was for Fincher to get Mank done, and and that's sort of a biopic. And it's it's you know it took him forever to get it done, and had to go to Netflix to make it how he wanted, which is in black and white, and about the guy that wrote 
Citizen Kane. Like, right. Netflix is the only one that's going to finance that. Well, and I don't even think they gave him a lot of money for it. No, I mean, the thing is, Netflix can do it. Yeah, but he still didn't get a lot of money for it. So my point is that they're going to, they might make expensive biopics, but they're going to just be the paint by number one that's going to, you know, suffice. They're not going to be ones that are impressing us. Yeah, this Ali. And this movie so impressed me. Despite this is my this is a good barometer of it. It's like this, like Ali is a historical figure. But this Ali biopic is not going to get, like, your typical grandfather who's, like, super into historical figures to watch yeah, isn't it. isn't that interesting? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 it's too sort of raw and unhinged a little bit for that, even though I think it's probably, like Chapin said, more accurate, more detailed, uh, more realistic to what actually happened than you'd get from the the whatever the Walt Disney I'm, biopic. I'm like, of course, imagining that like this old grand grandfather that is looking for like the that's interested in history is also like a raging racist too. So it's like, <laughs> well, he has to, a SWAT you need to tone down and, uh... stuff, which I have to admit was a little bit of a hard barrier for me to get past uh, John Voight in this movie, who is like a Trumpian conservative. That yeah, at first well, I'm like, why is he in this movie? But also, again, like, this is a with... 20 year revisit, so we didn't yeah, know that true. at the time. But well, now that we're talking about John Voight, I thought the makeup was great. I mean, it, you it, you could tell he was wearing makeup, but it wasn't like Martin Sheen in. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, makeup's gotten movie. worse. Yeah, in Judas um, and the Black Messiah. Yeah, in Judas and the Black Messiah. So, it, uh, but I thought it took me a little while to realize. Oh yeah, that's John Voight. So I thought he was actually really great in this. there. So, all right, I'm not going to be prescriptive and go down this road, but, like, I loved that relationship between Ali and, Co- and Cosell. I, I did thought too. that was really yeah. interesting. And to me, there's a movie, There's that's, a, that's like a, a linchpin of a movie. Like, build it through that relationship. You can see all these things happen. And, like, just have a little bit more of that. I thought that was fascinating. I, and I, I just thought both of them were really good. Um, and I just, I, I, I don't know. I love that moment at the end when, when Ali, uh, knocks out Foreman and, and, um, Cassell's like, it's over, it's over. And like, that's such a sports moment, but I loved the sports moment part of moments of this movie. Like for the same reasons I like, you know, Rocky, like it's just, those moments are exciting and the music cue, um, when he starts fighting back with Foreman is all just like classic, sports movie tropes that just work for me so that stuff was that stuff was all really great too it's also interesting that a lot of the character of rocky's boxing techniques are stolen from muhammad ali's strategies no no one picked that up the way he beats clever lang in rocky three is really just to wear him out just like ali wears out foreman and the rope of dope rumble in the jungle so have you guys seen When We Were Kings, that documentary? No, is that good? It's really good, yeah. I saw it in, in college, so it's been a while, but it's really good. You went to college? I did. Film school. I call yeah, it college. So not really. It sounds way less pretentious. Yeah. You got to university? I went to university. <laughs> I mean, I was impressed with the movie overall, though. I really like enjoyed it. I never got bored in the three and a half hours. Which <laughs> got, lo- got longer for you all of a sudden. Whatever it was, I don't remember. Two hours and 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I paused it a couple times. <laughs> um, 
and I think it I think it deserves a revisit from critics to be honest with you mm-hmm. I think it, it at the time um, should have gotten a lot more acclaim than it did for Will Smith for the cinematography even for maybe a, a nomination for John Voight why so and Michael Mann why do you guys think this didn't do well in the, in the, I mean you, so, you sort of alluded to it Jeremy with the not appealing to the racist old history was, buff Lee in twenty you, years. Yeah, but that was that was before that was before Moonlight won Best Picture. So right, yeah, a Green Book. You before mean? racism was. Oh bad. yeah, right. Ra- racism got cured by Green Book. Right. Um. Well, I was going to ask kind of a question that was that's similar to that about Michael Mann. And like, part of me feels like he he managed to somehow be like ahead of his time with filmmaking, like ahead of the times with filmmaking and then somehow all of a sudden was behind the times. Like he, <laughs> he, he, you know, he's doing the insider and this and collateral. And it's just like the type of filmmaking that is just like, we love, absolutely love, but there were not a lot of movies like that. And then all of a sudden it was like Miami vice, which I actually liked a lot the last time I saw it, but then public enemies and black hat. It's just like all of a sudden, like, it's just that type of filmmaking is just not working anymore. So, well, I mean, I don't know. Public Enemies is just not good, right? I mean, and 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 what else has he done? What what was the other one you mentioned? Well, well, Black Hat I've never seen, but I know it didn't do well. But yeah, we should just roll. We can just roll right into a Miami Vice pod now. If you sure, want. I'd, no, we have to. We know <laughs> that is definitely a two part episode. First of all. Um, so, so the win- they stole that music from last September. They did. The best picture winner this year was A Beautiful Mind. I, we're gonna do that, right? Um, oh yeah. So I, I gotcha. think we got to do every best picture winner. Um, yeah, a, a totally different movie, a biopic, but a totally different movie, as I recall. It was in the the peak of the Ron Howard Oscar machine. Well, this was yep. the uh, Ron Howard Oscar machine, wasn't it? Yeah, this was like the this was I think the thing that created it. Um, cause then he went and did like Cinderella man and like, yeah, Godsford's park, Godsford park in the bedroom, Lord of the Rings, fellowship of the ring and Moulin Rouge or the other. In the, so Jeremy, this was this, speaking of like being right in the thick of things. This was like when we used to go to like these random theaters everywhere. This was yeah. those couple years. Um, cause I remember seeing in the bedroom and Gosford Park and like these movies <laughs> just like, we, I remember we the, we youngest the youngest people youngest, in the theater yeah. by like 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah gosford um, gosford park especially and i just i remember very vividly being like uh, i wanted tom wilkinson to win uh best actor for uh in the bedroom he was nominated right yeah he was nominated yeah, yeah. I, I think, think in i wanted the bedroom, Spacek too that was back in the day where sort of like in the bedroom was the first well one of those first sort of uh, I don't know what we're calling them, but just those super realistic films, like, yeah, like the inten- intense melodramas, like, yeah. like the never, rarely, always, uh, you know, not s- sort of just starting work that. Work on and... getting that name down, guys. <laughs> um, I yeah, I don't. So, I think Will Smith deserved an Oscar nomination. I think that was that was good, and I think. Um, uh, John Voight did, and those were the only two that they got. But I, I don't know. You guys, I want to he- hear like, how did this not get nominated for best cinematography? So, um, 
Lord of the Rings won. Black Hawk Down was rightfully nominated. Man Who Wasn't There, Roger Deakins was nominated. I have to I have to see that again, but from what I understand, that is one of his better works. And it's Amelie, Bruno Del Bonnell, and uh, Moulin Rouge. I mean, those are all good nominees, I think. Wait, what uh, was the first one? Well, Lord of the Rings won yeah. Fellowship Lord of the, the Rings. That's actually the worst of that group. That might be I true. Say. I don't want to discredit Lord of the Rings. In, ter- in terms of cinematography, it might be the those worst Those movies are group. really well shot. Um, I don't know. I, I just think Ali belongs in there somewhere. Black Hawk Down might be my pick. Who is Slawomir Idziak? What else has he done? He's the cinematographer for Black Hawk Down. Don't know. Uh, you're, you're the one looking at him. Click on his oh, name. The, the Last September. He, he was the DP for that, Chapin. Oh, was he? Yeah, The Last September, 1999. Is that the, the you remade it? Yeah. Starring uh, Michael Gambon. Um. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people see a movie like this and say, because it's not like technically, I mean, I think there's some beautiful shots. And like I said, impressionistic, but you look at a movie like this, the film and, and it just, it's the emotion comes from the camera and he's doing unique things with it. And it's really feeding the story. I don't know that you look at it and you're like, wow, that's beautiful. Like it's, this looks like Hobbiton. And like, I would agree. I don't, I mean, I don't think the fellowship, I don't think any of those Peter Jackson movies are particularly well shot, you know, RIP Andrew Lesney, but, um, it's just that it's back to our debate of, of great landscape versus great cinematography. Right. Right. So the man who wasn't there is pretty evocative. It's black and white. Um, I have a question for you guys changing gears again. Um, if, if no one had seen either of these movies and, and maybe this is just won't go anywhere, but, and you told them they could watch Walk the Line or Ali. Which one do you think they would just naturally pick? If they didn't know anything about any of the movies? Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I th- Ali probably. I think Ali probably. You think they would pick Ali? I think people, if so, you, it, I think if you're, repu- if you're saying, if you're going off like, reputation, wh- I think they would watch Walk the Line. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you just right. said, what biopic would you rather see one of Johnny Cash or Muhammad Ali? I think people would pick Ali. So I think so too. And then, so, and, and like the same question would apply to Ray. And like, those are always the two that I talk, I think they came out like back to back years or something. Um, and like, those are like two, I don't know if they were on that list you saw, Chapin, but like, those are two biopics that are like really highly regarded. One of them has a 72, the other one has a 73 on Metacritic. So not crazy, but like you said, Ali has like a 63. And I don't know. I think those are two, like, you know, 21st century biopics that people talk a lot about. And from what I can remember, like, there's not a lot that's, like, overly impressive about the way those movies are made. I think they have performances that people like. But, like, this movie is, like, Ali is just, like, so innovative and, like, expertly made. Like, why was that lost on people, just that part alone? But uh, because I think people are opposite of you lee they want they want their biopics to be a little bit more paint by numbers they want it to be yeah well maybe not critics i don't know maybe i agree with you with like Like, i think people want broad broader in their biopics they want to see more they want the performances to be sort of not um 
like they're doing impressions of those people, but getting closer to that rather than really acting. And I think they will they want to see sort of broad strokes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, yeah. Unfortunately. What did you guys think of Smith and, and Ali? I thought he's great. Yeah, I, I really did. I, did too. I think he's totally. So what totally separated immersed. his performance from? Yeah, and I was the same way. I thought like I thought he totally lost himself in the role, but like what separated him from just being a an imitation? Because he does a lot of like the same like the poetry and like the the rhyming rather. Well, I I actually think that the imitation is uh, works against the performance. You know, like like Ali's got this way of talking that feels very performative and in a lot of times he's he is performing um and so i feel like that's like he he downplays it when he's talking like not in front of a crowd you know when he's conversing with a friend you know sort of an intimate conversation but i i I think that's like it's you know it's a huge barrier i think because it's 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 so his sort of the his voice is so strange that you start, it's a little distracting, but I think he totally overcomes it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's probably Will Smith's best, best performance, I would say. It's got to be up there. I, I don't know if I can categorically say so. I'd have to just look closer. But, I just think, like, um, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to keep, you know, fellating Michael Mann and Chiva Lebeski here, but, you know, those are two of my favorite people to fellate. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> But like specifically, I mean, you don't you you get a close up in movies a lot, but you rarely get that Michael Mann close up where he's like where you've got to act with like this part of your face. And I'm touching yeah. the like part where yeah. your eyebrow yeah. ends, you know, and and yeah. he just your left eyebrow, the bottom left. Yeah. Eyebrow. There's it's such an intimate look at people. And I think. You, not not every actor is meant for that kind of work. And do you think aud- audition tapes for Michael Mann? He's like instead of putting the camera in front, just put it behind you on your shoulder. Yeah. Just keep it on your shoulder. Well, I was looking at one of those behind the scenes things, and it was it was I think it was from Collateral, and it was like Tom Cruise trading and fighting and working with the stunt coordinator, and then you, you turn around and it's Michael Mann giving, I don't know, himself or his assistant a note and be like, you know, I I like it better when it's an open palm. And it's like a close up, like I'm right here of Michael Mann, and he's filming himself. And the <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, it was interesting watching this movie actually after having seen One Night in Miami. Yeah, because you do sort of put those pieces together, and you go, "Oh, is that that night?" And then also his relationship with Malcolm X becomes a little bit more in-depth in this and film. And Sam Cooke. And, and you, that, the, I mean, they're in that hotel room at one point. Yeah. And and Jim yeah. Brown is there and for you, a second. And it looks like the exact same hotel room that they used for One Night in Miami, at least the exterior, which I wouldn't be surprised if it was the actual one. But, um, yeah, I... I, I I liked getting more details about their relationships. There's a lot of interesting crossover because like you see you see the assassination of Malcolm X, which of course we see in Malcolm X. Also interesting note that the guy in Malcolm X that introduces Denzel Washington that introduces Malcolm X to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has graduated to playing the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in oh, Ali. Really? Did you That's notice that, Chapin? 
No. Yeah. The, so guy, the guy he meets in prison. The guy from that, um, from Apocalypse Now, right? Uh, is he in Apocalypse Now? Yeah, he's the captain of the boat, isn't he? Yes, yep. Yeah, I, yep. Um, but, yeah, then, like, we also had Judas and the Black Messiah with Fred Hampton, and, there's, and Fred Hampton, it, the Fred Hampton character, is in Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, in in Judith and the Black Messiah, they talk about Bobby Seale, who obviously is a key character in Trial of Chicago. So, like, we've had a lot of crossover with different movies from this time period. And I, I do think that's interesting, and it's it's telling because it was such a significant period in, uh, in history, and I, I really enjoy watching movies about that period of time, and I think it's probably uh, our most significant period, one of our most significant periods in American history, and, and maybe hasn't really been rivaled up until maybe now will time will tell like we're kind of going through a pretty significant period now but it's just fascinating to kind of watch all of those things unfold from different characters perspectives from different directors perspectives yet you're always sort of coming to the same point to the same conclusion and i and that's i i think that that's fascinating so excellent movie you both think so excellently made movie I do like so when I have issues with these movies that Chapin like really really has been like pushing for a while uh, I, I spend my time between having watched it and the podcast sort of fe- in fear of Chapin why all I want to do is just make you happy Chapin you... like when you recommended Sunshine to me I was so excited <laughs> to tell you how much I loved it after watching this, I was just like, oh, Chapin's going to get so mad at me when I tell him I had problems with this movie. Oh, da, da, da. I, would never, I would never get mad at you. You're allowed to have your own opinion. Oh, there you go, Lee. Oh, that's... Thank you. It's good so, to know. There you, you heard it there first. Um, no, I mean, honestly, like, I, 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 I don't love this movie. I, I think I really like it. I, I, I more love Michael Mann and what Michael Mann does, especially in this period. And, um, uh, I just think it's an, it's interesting because of, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah and especially One Night in Miami, you know, we, we've looked at these characters and just to look at them in a completely different way through a completely different lens, you know? And, um, yeah, I'm glad we got to watch it. I, what yeah, we have a lot more. Lee, do you want to talk about some of the other 2001 movies we're going to do? Or, Jeremy, you could do that as well. Sure, let me pull it up. Um, well, Beautiful Mind, we mentioned, obviously, that's um, the Best Picture winner from from that year. We've got uh, Donnie Darko. Oh, I'd love maybe. to read. Yeah, no, I'd um, love to revisit that. Black Hawk Down, I think, is, is one that we should revisit. Mulholland Drive is the big one for me. I think that's the absolutely one that... Like Chapin yeah, and like uh, was pushing us to rewatch uh, Ali. I am. I've been pushing you guys to rewatch Mulholland Drive. That's a favorite of mine. Training Day uh, was Denzel Washington's Oscar winner. Um, interesting that he didn't win for Malcolm X, and then he did win in a year that somebody else played Malcolm X. That's a amazing coincidence, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that whole theory. I mean, both you know, the, both best actor and best actress that year were black, but they both play kind of like he's playing a villain in Training Day, and Halle Berry yeah. was playing a sort of completely just 
you know, out of luck down on her. Should we rewatch Monsters Ball and figure out what I don't think that's a good movie. The deal with that movie is I mean I don't remember. I remember a little bit of it, but <laughs> certain certain parts. <laughs> remember two parts of it. Um anything else? There's gotta be I, I mean, you know, we could do the Lord of the Rings. I don't know Royal, if that's you know interesting or not. Royal Tenenbaum. Yeah, that'd be great. Amelie. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. That's a lot. And Spy Game might be interesting. It's been a long time since I saw Spy Game. That's a great movie. Um, yeah, that could be a Tony so yeah, Ridley Scott back to back. I would like well, to yeah, do AI Black Hawk Down with you guys. I think that's an interesting movie. Oh, of course you would. I've never oh, seen I that. Lo- I love Kubrick, but then also Spielberg directed it. Oh. Oh. Fucking pathetic. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so mad at you. I've never seen it either. <laughs> all right added to the list where is the list it's a long oh. list but you know what i can it's a long I can, list i can check off uh ali beautiful feels so good to check off movies um of course we can't be forgetting about the fixies in 31 days how could we <sighs> anything we're... i think i don't think chapin's excited about the fixies no i, I am anything we're Anything or oh yeah, the guy who plays. Did you the, see your list, Chapin? The guy who plays the rat, the rat for the uh, um, FBI is is <laughs> he's in spoiler alert, yeah. is uh, impaled guy, uh, by <laughs> at, when when Sylvester Stallone is exhausted in the, the fight. From cool he decides to lift this gentleman above his head and impale him on a stalagmite. <laughs> 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 it's the guy it's Darice Jeremy from Cool Runnings no uh, yeah who, who also who's who's the rat in Ali and yeah. the, one of the bad guys in Cliffhanger is only three movies I mean name a better three movie run yeah. than that even <laughs> and, uh, even John Cazale yeah can't John Cazale doesn't can't yeah. hold a candle to that <laughs> he gives up Cool Runnings bit part in Ali second lead villain in and actually he's like yeah. the fourth like lead the villain third, in yeah. cliffhanger all right well that's gonna do it for this edition of the get your films F- fix podcast i have been chipping hemingway lee is here too jeremy fisk uh what are we doing next guys we're gonna try to do this two a week thing as long as we can sustain it as long as jeremy isn't working on a movie we're gonna try to do a two a week um so i don't know what's coming up but i'm sure we'll figure it out and uh thank you very much for listening and we'll see you Soon on the airwaves. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.